Thank you, Jag and Miss Eva. What a beautiful song. In the presence of Jehovah, troubles vanish, hearts are melted in the presence of the King. What a beautiful reminder of the difference that being in the presence of God makes, particularly in times like we're experiencing right now. You know, I've really enjoyed this uh, reading three psalms a day, and I hope that you have too. And once again, I know I say it every week, but I've been so impressed with your testimonies that are being put out on social media. It's such an incredible encouragement. And I just can't think of any better thing for us as a church family to be doing than reading the scripture together and testifying of the faithfulness of the Lord. Got to be honest with you, as I knew that tonight uh, I was going to be able to choose from Psalm 103 or 104 or 105 or maybe even to do a combination of the three, it was really kind of tough because these are some beautiful psalms. All of them are, but, you know, some of them just seem to have a little bit more meaning to you at a particular time when you're reading them. And I love particularly in Psalm 103 where the psalmist talks about God has removed our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. What a beautiful picture of the mercies of God when he compels us to uh, praise his name and to forget not his benefits. When we really consider the benefits of life with God, boy, we really are a blessed people. And then you look at Psalm 104, and you see where the psalmist is, is looking at God's creation, and he sees God and the handiwork that he's provided, and, and, and recounts how God provides for the creatures that he's made, and just the incredible work of the Lord in creation. It really is a beautiful psalm. But tonight, I wanted us to focus on Psalm 105, which is really a testimony, and in fact, a call to praise to God because of his faithfulness. Now, one thing, I don't know if you, if you caught in your study Bible or, or, or maybe some commentary reading that you've been doing through the Psalms, perhaps, but uh, a big portion of Psalm 105 actually is also recorded in 1 Chronicles 16. And so that seems to actually give us the reason for this particular Psalm. In 1 Chronicles 16, David is the king of Israel. And Jerusalem has been set as a cap capital. And you remember David wanted the Ark of the Covenant to be brought to Jerusalem. And so as the Ark is brought, the scripture tells us in 1 Chronicles 16 that David gave this psalm to Asaph to lead the people in worship. And so let's look at the words in Psalm 105 as he begins. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who, re who those rejoice who seek the Lord, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth, O seed of Abraham his servant, you children of Jacob his chosen ones. Notice the action verbs that he gives us there in those six verses. He tells us to give thanks to the Lord. We need to ponder the works of God and give thanks to him. Again, as we're reminded in Psalm 103, to forget not his benefits, to always have a thankful heart and spirit and be willing to praise him. Call upon his name, entreat him in your life, make known his deeds among the peoples, tell others what God has done, sing to him a, a, a song of praise, a worship that comes from our heart through our lips, talk of all his wondrous works. I want to ask you a question tonight, and that's this. 
How often do you talk of the wondrous works of God in your life? You know, we've talked uh, over the last couple of weeks, really, on Sunday mornings, about how a biblical church is a mission-driven church. And a mission-driven church is one that joins in God's mission of making disciples. And so that's the end goal for us, is to be used of the Lord to make disciples. One way that God can use His people to make disciples is when we talk of His wondrous works. Listen, as you're reading through the Psalms, have you found somebody that you can share with about what God has revealed to you in the Scriptures? That's actually what we're doing on the social media platforms each day, providing opportunities for people to talk of His wondrous works. Do you have opportunities to talk with your family members or even to talk with people that you work with about ways that you've been able to see God at work in your life through this time of disruption? The psalmist is compelling us. Listen, remember that mission. Talk of his wondrous works. Glory in his name. Be glad of who he is. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Be glad in him. Seek the Lord and his strength. Uh, Seek his face. Remember his marvelous works. And then he comes back in verse 6 and he says, O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. So he is compelling those of the people of God, to seek Him, to talk of Him, and to worship Him. In verse 7, he says, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers His covenant forever, the word which He commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which He made with Abraham and His oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance, while they were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it. Now I want you to remember what I shared with you from First Chronicles 16, that David had given this psalm to Asaph to lead the people in worship as the ark had made its way back to Jerusalem or to Jerusalem, and, and as the people were celebrating that, that David was their king, and, and that here they were in the land, and that the ark was with them, they were celebrating the fact that God had been faithful to the promise that he had made to their forefather, Abraham, many, many years ago. And the psalmist is helping us to see that God is always faithful to his promises. And as he continues on, he actually points out some of the difficulties that the people of God had been through before, but how God had always delivered. He'd always been faithful. Look at verse uh, 13. When they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. This is speaking of Abraham and his family as they would go from one place to another. God was protecting them every single step of the way. You realize that when God first made that initial promise to Abraham, it seemed like quite an unbelievable promise, didn't it? You remember there were many years before Abram and Sarah actually had their first child. And so when the promise seemed like a, just a, a great dream that, that who knows whatever happened, God was protecting his people and being faithful to the covenant that he made to them all those many years ago. God, by his power, was protecting not only his people, but the promise that he had made. 
In verse 16, we see where he says, Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. So we already see some of the roadblocks that the people of God had been through. Again, when God had made that initial promise to Abram, Abram and Sarah had never been able to have any children. So that was a roadblock in and of its own. And so the promise seemed awfully far-fetched. Then we see where Abram and Sarah would have to travel from different places and they would come into other territories and there would be other kings, but God by his power would protect them. And then we're reminded of those days of Joseph, which we actually studied as a church on Sunday nights not too long ago in the series Sovereignty Through Suffering. But we remember how famine came to the land of Canaan and Well, that was a disruption for them, wasn't it? That was a difficulty. How in the world was God going to be faithful to the promise that he made to Abram and Sarah many years ago if all the people are wiped out in famine? But we're reminded that God had a plan the whole time, that God had raised up Joseph to be a deliverer as such, who through some remarkable and quite difficult circumstances found his way in Egypt through the sins of his brothers. And even in Egypt, life wasn't easy. He, he, he went, was uh, thrown into a prison. He was forgotten for a while. But then God raised him up as the prime minister of Egypt. Once again, showing his faithfulness to his people and the faithfulness to the promise that he had made to them. So through physical impossibility of Sarah being barren, through the difficulties of going through other territories and, and facing other kings... And even through the difficulty of a famine, God continued to show himself faithful. He goes on. Verse 23. Israel also came into Egypt and Jacob dwelt in the land of Ham, which is another way of saying Egypt. He increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. And so they're reminded of another period where God's people had gone through a difficult time. You remember after the death of Joseph, there was a new Pharaoh that came into power as Exodus 1 begins by telling us. And the new Pharaoh noticed how God's people, the people of Israel, continued to multiply in number and he began to see them as a threat. And so he began to oppress them with labor. And so the people were struggling as life was incredibly difficult for them, enslaved to Pharaoh in Egypt. But God was faithful again, wasn't he? You see in verse 26, he sent Moses his servant and Aaron whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark, and they did not rebel against his word. He turned their waters into blood and killed their fish. Their land abounded with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and lice in all their territory. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. 
He struck their vines also and their fig trees and splintered the trees of their territory. He spoke and locusts came, young locusts without number, and ate up all the vegetation in their land and devoured the fruit of their ground. He also destroyed all the firstborn in their land, the first of all their strength. What is he speaking of here? They're speaking of the plagues in Egypt, right? So when once again, Israel found itself in a very difficult situation, once again, by God's power, by his mighty hand and an outstretched arm, God once again revealed his power against the enemies of his people. And once again, God brought deliverance for Israel. Just as he had before raised up a deliverer whose name was Joseph to help the people through famine, Now God raised up a deliverer named Moses who would free the people from their enslavement. No wonder, the psalmist says, talk of his wondrous works, sing praise to him. Just go back and look at the covenant promise that he made to Abraham. Look back at history and see all that God has done. Come back to verse 37. He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. This is a reference, of course, to when Israel went and uh, went to the people in Egypt, and they gave them this silver and gold. Verse 38, Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them had fallen upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. What's that a reference of? You remember in the wilderness experience, there was the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. So speaking of when God was leading them in that time. Verse 40, the people asked and he brought quail and satisfied with them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It ran in the dry places like a river. So not only had God once again revealed his power in raising up this deliverer who would lead his people out of this difficult situation, but he also provided for them once again. He provided his presence. He provided the materials that they would need in uh, constructing the tabernacle, the place where they would could come to worship. He provided food for them. He provided water for them. God provided for his people. So again, we take a step back and we consider what God has done. We think about that promise that God made to his people so many years ago to Abram and Sarah in a seemingly impossible situation, how he was going to make a nation through them, how he was going to give them a land, how he was going to make the name of this nation great, and how one day through this nation would come the blessing of the entire world, the Messiah. And boy, it seemed like a great promise, but it seemed like an impossible one. Well, what's impossible with men is possible with God. And so God did provide a child to Abram and Sarah. The nation began to be born. God protected Abram and Sarah not only from outside circumstances, but when you go back and read the book of Genesis, you see where God even protected Abram and Sarah from, well, Abram and Sarah. 
And then you see as the, 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 the family begins to grow, there's a famine in the land of Canaan. And once again, there's a roadblock that the people of God face. And it makes you wonder, is God going to be faithful to his promise? Are all these things actually going to happen? But you see God's power and you see God's provision as he raises up Joseph through some difficult circumstances, difficult life circumstances. And he uses Joseph to deliver the people from famine, to provide for them, to give them a home in Egypt where they continue to multiply despite the odds. And then we see after the death of Joseph when where there's a new Pharaoh and the Pharaoh now has become, a, has become a, an object for them that seemed to be difficult to climb. Another barrier in the possibility of God being faithful to his promise. It makes you wonder what in the world is going to happen to the people of God when now they're enslaved in Egypt. But once again, God by his power and God in his provision provided a deliverer who led the people out of Egypt. And once again, God's perfect provisions providing everything that they needed so they could continue to walk with him. And God's promise was continuing to be fulfilled. And so in verse 42, the psalmist says, For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. He brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles, and they inherited the labor of the nations. In other words, the psalmist says God never forgot his promise. He never bailed on his people. There was never a situation that was too big for him. There was never a time when he was caught by surprise. There was never a time when he was out-resourced. God was always way ahead of whatever Israel would experience as they continued to grow as a nation. And God was faithful through his power and by his provisions to do what he said he was going to do. There were times when people on the ground wondered, there were times when people wondered if God had forgotten them. When people wondered if God was ever going to be faithful to the promise that he had made. But history records he has a 100% record. He's always been faithful. But I want you to notice the last part of the psalm. Let's go back to verse 42 and so we can pick up the, the theme as we go. He remembered his holy promise and Abraham, his servant. He brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles and they inherited the labor of the nations. Now verse 35, that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. What was the purpose of all of that? It was the mission, wasn't it? What was the purpose of, of, of making that nation Israel and calling Abram and Sarah to build a nation unto himself? The purpose was so that his name might be revealed in them, through them, and around them. So that the other nations of the world might observe his people and see the incredible glory of God. 
And so God brought all of this deliverance and he brought all of these provisions and he was faithful to this covenant that he had made all of these years ago because God's mission was for his name to be revealed through them. What does that have to do with you and me? Well, as we think about Joseph, whom God raised up as a deliverer, and as we think about Moses, whom God raised up as a deliverer, they point us, of course, to the one whom God sent to be the deliverer of, of all, right? Jesus Christ. The one promised to Abram and Sarah all the way back in Genesis 12, the one through whom all the nations of the world would be blessed. You see, the greatest hindrance of all for us experiencing God, the greatest hindrance is sin. And God had a plan for sin as well. In fact, we see that, that plan unfolding throughout the Old Testament and being fulfilled in Jesus in the New. And though all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, God provided us a gift. His name is Jesus Christ. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When we had a barrier keeping us from God, and keeping us from experience the wonder of life with Him and enjoying His promises, that barrier of sin, God provided a deliverer named Jesus who died on the cross taking our sin and our guilt, was buried in a tomb and on the third day was raised again, as Paul says, delivered for our offenses but raised for our justification so that by us placing our faith in Him, we can be brought to God. We can enter in covenant relationship with Him, not because of anything that we do, but because of the blood of Jesus, the gift for us. And we can have God in our lives. We can know Him. We can experience Him. And we can know that whatever comes our way, whatever life disruption ever comes to us, will never be separated from Him again. So again, I think about this wonderful day that Israel was experiencing. As David was their king, Jerusalem was their capital city, and the ark had made its way to Jerusalem. And all the people celebrate. Oh, sing songs to the Lord. Oh, praise His name. Tell of all His wondrous works. Make known to the nations the things that God has done. Seek Him. Rejoice in Him. Because He's the God who's faithful. He made a promise to Abraham and nothing in the world kept Him from fulfilling that promise. Anytime there was an obstacle, He always, by His power and His perfect provisions, He always had a plan. He was always there. He would always take care of it. And you and I, as we look back on the history of the activity of God, and even when we think about what God has done for us in Jesus, there's no reason for us to do anything other than what He says in the last three words of verse 45. Verse 45. 
praise the Lord. What a message for the times that we're in. A reminder that God has always been faithful and that He's still faithful. A reminder that when we truly contemplate the activity of God, there is no reason to fear because He still sits on His throne and He's still faithful as He's always been. You see, that's why it's true. In the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace, troubles vanish, hearts are melted in the presence of the King. Will you this week continue your reading through the Psalms and spend time in the presence of the King? We need that reminder that regardless of what's going on, God is always faithful, always has been, and always will be. Will you pray with me? Our Father, we bow before you tonight and we praise you for the Psalms. We praise you for allowing us to see how others have worshipped you and how you have revealed yourself through the worship. Thank you for reminding us tonight that you have always been faithful. There's not a single blemish on your record. And as we call ourselves the people of God, as we gather together here on this live stream and we worship you through the study of your word, you reminded us that your people have been through difficult times before, but you have always been faithful. Father, as we continue to move forward in these strange times, as we continue to experience this great disruption in life, may we not lose heart, but may we continue with heads held high, having spent time in the presence of you, Jehovah. Help us to live our days in full confidence of you. Thank you that you're faithful. Thank you for giving us a record of your faithfulness. And thank you for in your grace reminding us the truth of who you are. You truly make all the difference in the world. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you.